Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis Newton here with the Cups and Cakes Network. Today on the show we have Aladine Karufi. He's uh, part of what I dub in this episode the kind of Edmonton Wrecking Crew. He's played on everything. Uh, records from Baby J, from Wares, uh, Jesse and the Dandelions, the Velveteens, uh, Neck Trio. Uh, Dean's in more bands in Edmonton than most people think exist in Edmonton. Uh, he's also a great songwriter and producer and we chat plenty about uh his two eps one of covers and one of original material that came out this year uh dean's also actually got a christmas song uh, that came out just uh, about a week ago now that we didn't even get a chance to talk about in this interview called the holiday cheer uh the song is a great example of dean's uh, really kind of warm and uh, sparse production and it's really mellow songwriting and performance chops and of course, too, uh, no interview is complete without talking about selling free-range Hutterite chickens and eggs at the back of a liquor depot. So, uh, you know, we get, uh, we get to that, too. As per usual, uh, there might be some foul language in this, so uh, viewer discretion is advised. And you can find other episodes of this podcast, as well as other audio, video, and written content over on the Cups and Cakes Network website, cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N cakespod.com. Here's Aladine Karufi. What's going on? Uh, my name is Aladine Karufi from Edmonton, Alberta. Nice. It's it's nice uh, to finally talk to you. I've been, uh, I started doing this like two years ago and I feel like the number of bands and people that I have interviewed where you are in some way associated with that band, <laughs> there's like quite a few. So it's nice to, uh, nice to finally chat. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Uh, let's just kind of jump right into the rapid fire then here right off the top. Uh, cake yeah. or pie? Cake or pie? Uh, pie. Okay. Well, you got a, like a favorite kind of pie? I'm gonna go savory. I don't really like sweets. I'll say like, uh, like a meat pie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tea or coffee? Depends on the day. It depends <laughs> on what I have to get done. I'll drink like six cups of coffee if I really need to get stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. But if I can kind of like putz around, I'll, I'll drink uh, black tea in the morning. When when did you start drinking coffee in your life? Like how long did it take? Probably like grade nine. That's okay, that. it was pretty early. I started drinking coffee. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's funny. I just like once every like year, year and a half, I'll be like, eh, maybe I'll try a cup of coffee again, see if this isn't horrible. Oh, so you don't drink coffee? I, I don't. No, I drink like a lot of tea, but mm. yeah, no coffee. I go through waves of it where I'll like have to like stop drinking coffee because I'll like have like I'll be like my anxiety would be like super up and yeah. but then I'm like well I'd like I'm working on stuff like recording stuff sometimes let's make a pot like by myself and then throughout like the course of the day I'll drink like 10 cups of coffee and yeah, I was yeah. like why do I feel so fucking insane it's like <laughs> it's, it's like oh yeah like <laughs> yeah that, that'll hit you yeah yeah uh <laughs> do you have a favorite pit stop on tour favorite pit stop uh, like a certain restaurant or, or like, yeah, like, or, or like on a specific route. Cause I, I've, I've done a lot of touring around Canada, U S yeah, yeah. and like just Europe uh, and UK. just any like a uh, little fun side of the road stop that you like. No, uh, I actually in the U S Trader Joe's, if I see a okay, TJ's, yeah, I'm going to yeah. stop at the TJ's. I mean, I, 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 I prefer going to grocery stores every morning on tour yeah. rather than, uh, eating A and W four times a day. Yeah. I'd rather just like, eat an entire cucumber and like <laughs> palm a uh, red pepper <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah what i it's funny uh trader joe's is just like 
organic-y type food, right? Or am I way off base on that? Yeah, but, but they have their own brand for everything. Okay. And it's, it's cheap is the thing, too. It's like Whole Foods is overpriced, gotcha. but Trader Joe's is cheap. When I was, I was, when I was uh, spending a few months in New York, I would take the train from uh, Brooklyn like into Manhattan because it was cheaper to get the groceries from this Trader Joe's. Right. And it was like around the corner, like the bougie huh. hip grocery store. <laughs> Uh, radio or podcasts? I like. I wish I would say radio, but I definitely listen to more podcasts in my life. I, th- I think it's kind of easier in some way, just because it's such a solitary thing. Like, yeah. you listen to them while you do other things, typically. Exactly. But yeah. do you have any particular ones that you listen to? I listen to the the Daily by the New York Times okay. every morning. I supposed to get my news. Uh, I like this podcast called Ephemeral. All about like different ephemera. That one I've been very, very into. I just finished it the other day. Okay. Um, I've been really enjoying during quarantine the all, all the Rick Rubin ones, like that Rick Rubin, Malcolm Gladwell. Oh yeah. Podcast, but it's just been Rick Rubin doing the interviews, which is like amazing interviews. Like the one he did with RZA, but like creativity was so good. <laughs> cool. Was, yeah. Like, Flying Lotus the other day. I like this one with uh, a Tame Impala guy. What's his name? Uh, oh God. Kevin Kevin Parker is that his name? Something. I'm not actually a huge Tim Holland, but it was, I think I think he's really cool. He does really yeah, cool yeah. stuff. And yeah, that that's a oh, good one. Cool. Uh, weirdest job you've ever had? Oh God, I've had many jobs, many shitty jobs. <laughs> I have to be careful what I say to not get in trouble from old jobs too. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, like full on weird jobs. I worked at a concrete pit in Nanaimo, or okay. actually in Port Alberni, like on Vancouver Island, for a little bit. Yeah, just to make some quick cash, and that was weird. <laughs> just working with like crazy characters. Yeah, so that was that was pretty weird. I worked at this liquor store for about two and a half years, and that was the weirdest job because eventually I got all my friends hired, and everyone there knew each other. So it was just <laughs> a total shit show. Like, yeah, nothing got done. Everyone got <laughs> fired. But including, like, the manager was in on it, too. Like, yeah. Oh, good. And then there were some other things going on, like, selling. This is the part I probably shouldn't say, but I'm going to. Maybe I'll leave some details out. But we're also, through the manager, selling uh, free-range Hutterite chickens and <laughs> eggs over the back on the side <laughs> to make a little extra coin. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've all been fired from that job at this point, so. <laughs> yeah, what Whatever. else is there? Yeah. Like, what's Liquor Depot going to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, first car, two thousand Honda Odyssey. Okay, is that is hatchback? That's a minivan. Thing? Minivan. Okay. Total, total piece of garbage van. <laughs> power steering was going. Yeah. And as like a car that's supposed to have power steering, you'd have to like hit every corner as quick as you could to turn, <laughs> which was a very sketchy thing when you're like eighteen years old. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, whew. I guess that's pretty much like the only time in your life when you can justify having a car like that, yeah, it was though. Terrible. As soon as you're like not 18, it's like, uh, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, I'm glad that my vehicle's slightly more reliable now. Not much <laughs> more reliable, but <laughs> that little bit is really important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there like a, a social media account that you get a lot of joy out of following? Social media account. Yeah, or like a page or something. Okay. Um, yeah, I got some Instagram pages that crack me up. I like uh, people standing. Just photos of people standing awkwardly, but like kind of like someone just says like, oh, why is that person waiting for the train like that? <laughs> like that one. 
Look at this Russian's always classic. Um, cops texting is a funny one. Just photos of cops <laughs> not really doing their job. Yep. Which I kind of prefer than doing that <laughs> to the other terrible things they generally do. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love stupid stuff. So there's lots. Catatonic <laughs> youths. Rigs of dad is always good. <laughs> These are all nice ones. <laughs> uh what is the uh first record you remember like hearing around as in like like my earliest memory of like listening to yeah yeah it's funny i was looking for ways to phrase that question like what's what's something even that you remember like playing around your house when you were growing up around my house there wasn't a lot of like contemporary music or pop music my mom's a singing teacher and choir conductor so a lot of classical stuff yeah my dad's from Algeria, so we'd also listen to a bunch of Algerian rye, but kind of like pop okay. rye from the 90s or something. Gotcha. So I'd hear that. I don't know. Earliest, I remember it'd be like listening to Barney or something. <laughs> or like the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Because I liked the Backstreet Boys when I was younger. Oh, okay. I still like them. I think they're still cool. <laughs> how, how, uh, how, how old do you remember being then when you were like, like, like the Backstreet Boys, for, for example? Like six or five. Okay. I went to see them live. Oh, sick. My, my dad brought me, yeah. Oh, it's funny, just, uh, like, I know I didn't tune into music until, like, a little later, right? Like, I was 12 or 13, mm-hmm. so I'm always kind of, like, a little surprised. That's, like, fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, I liked, I definitely liked music from a young age and was playing very at a very young age, so. Yeah, yeah. Very aware. Uh, do you have any uh, fun new quarantine hobbies? I didn't get the hobbies like everyone else. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, look at me and make trying all these new recipes. I don't know I cook a lot. Yeah. Before that, before I before quarantine, <laughs> I was I enjoyed cooking and trying new recipes. I didn't get yeah. into making bread. I kind of wish I got into making bread because I think it's nice. Yeah. I make pizza dough all the time, but that's kind of oh, easy. Okay. Um. Quarantine hobbies? No. Uh, no. <laughs> Keeping on with the same things. Yeah, just like more like waves of like anxiety and depression probably <laughs> it's like, yeah. it probably all i got normal I quarantine know, a hobby, stuff but. yeah <laughs> uh do you have a favorite local bite to eat favorite local mm, it's so weird right now because i haven't really like gone to a restaurant in a long yeah. time i really like chef hung and i feel like a lot of people haven't been going there it's like oh, uh yeah, just a block that. off of white ave okay it's really good it's a taiwanese place they have this really good taiwanese beef noodle soup if oh, you want to cool. go there get the the a1 champion beef spicy okay that's been i really like the soup there <laughs> uh if you could open for anyone who would you choose to open for anyone wow alive or dead yeah, you know, sure. Let's do. We're just alive. We're yeah, just dead. No, let's do alive. <laughs> <laughs> Only dead people for this one. Okay, um, alive or dead, yeah. anyone. Uh, Curtis Mayfield or, oh, ne- yeah. or or Neil Young. Like those yeah. are like two of my favorite people of all time. For sure, or yeah. Artists, musicians. So either of them. Uh, sports or board games or video games. Sports, definitely, oh, okay. definitely sports over here. I what? watch a lot of sports. What, uh, I guess, what individual sports? I watch more sports than I like to admit. I watch <laughs> hockey very closely. I watch okay. basketball very closely. I watch hockey very closely. I don't really watch football. I'll watch the Super Bowl. I watch soccer a lot, too. Okay, like Premier League stuff? Or? Yeah, Premier League. That's like the only thing I... My stepdad watched a lot of soccer, a lot oh, of football. Oh, really? Yeah. 
and mm. Premier League stuff is like just like I barely know what's happening. Yeah, but just enough to talk to my dad about it. That's all you need, right? Yeah, I, I actually this I it's been so hard like streaming the games like illegally because yeah. like everything else I just like have some like sketchy website like for like hockey, basketball, or baseball. Right. But I actually just the other day I purchased a subscription to like a <laughs> soccer streaming service. Yeah. And I canceled my Netflix. So I wasn't really using it. So it's a weird trade. Uh, okay. But I kind of liked it because like, I watched some soccer the other morning. I kind of like waking up at like 9 a.m. and on a Sunday. And Well, watching. yeah. I remember my dad, yeah, growing up, uh, waking up at like 6 in the morning to watch the games that were earlier in the day. When, yeah. Because we were in Saskatchewan, so the time difference would shift in the winter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just. <laughs> it's kind of fun doing that. It is. and yeah. And, you know, it's fun, especially... Uh, when there's two of you doing that, and that, whether mm-hmm. it's you know my dad in that situation or like I've lived with people too, where you can like wake up and watch the World Cup games. Yeah, and I think it's like the camaraderie of like for sure. watching sports. What? Because I, I mean, like if my team loses, I'm upset for like 30 seconds, and I'm like, I'm like oh, <laughs> what the fuck? And then I'm like, eh, who cares? Life goes on. I move fun, on. Like hanging with my friends, watching it, or yeah. And I also really, I mean, I think it like keeps me kind of sane too. For sure, it's like. Especially when touring was more of a thing and I felt like I was out of town all the time. It was kind of this weird, like, constant that you could, like, always pay attention to. You could, like, check your phone and be like, oh, who won that game? Or if you right. had, like, an hour off, you'd, like, watch the game. Yeah. What, whatever sport it is. It's kind of like, no matter where you were, that was still happening. <laughs> it, was something, it was something to, like, keep track of in your yeah, head. Yeah, it's like scratching days on the wall. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, candy, chips, or chocolate? Uh, chips. Okay, Clear. what's... Uh... Any favorite kind of chips? No Name All Dressed is really good. Specifically okay. the No Name brand. Yeah. Um, and I like the kettle cooked pepperoncini flavor. Oh, okay. But I also I'll eat any chips. I barely I really like chips. Yeah, Superstore's got a couple just banging chip flavors. Yeah, I like all like the weird like flavors of the world brands. Or yeah, something. there are some good ones. Yeah, I like them. Uh is there a record that like spurred your love of music? Yeah. Or, like, the stuff I were listening to now, I'd say, like, there were, like, two records that... I mean, not spurred my love, because, uh, uh, like, there was tons of records I really like, but, like, the two that I feel like have really, like, shaped me as far as, like, what I've uh, come to really like honestly, is, like, uh, J. Dilla Donuts and uh, Sharon Jones' 100 Days, 100 Nights. Okay. I was into those two records a lot at the same time. Um, but before that, I was already playing quite a bit, but I listened to those. I was pretty young. I would have been, like... Nine or ten. Okay. Yeah, and I really got into those records. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, very last question then for the rapid fire part of things. Uh, do you have any uh, local shout outs? Any bands that you really like in the city? Probably. I think of like <laughs> local bands I really like. I'll, I'll give a shout out to Ghostwoman from Lethbridge. Oh yeah. I like them. They're like one of my favorite bands in Canada. Maybe my favorite band in Canada. So that's not like super like hyper local, but. It's uh, yeah, Alberta. Yeah. Alberta. Yeah, that's that's local enough, right? <laughs> I'm not going to call anyone out in, in Edmonton or shout anyone out, rather. That's a better way to I'm not going to shout anyone out because someone else will be like, oh, why don't you shout me out? And it's like, eh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, then, uh, kind of into the second part of things. Uh, I mentioned this off the top. You play with like a, a bazillion different bands and yes. acts. Um, how do those collaborations kind of find their way to you? Like, or do you kind of actively seek stuff out? And... Um, I think it's just like, 
natural progression of like for sure being in the scene for a long time and like just you meet one person and you meet another person and then you play a lot and right. I pick up things relatively quick if I'm like playing with someone right and people know it's like it won't won't be like like won't be like pulling teeth if I'm playing and <laughs> I'm generally polite yeah um and they just kind of come about yeah very naturally um very rarely do I seek something out like that I'm not uh at least with playing in other bands or playing with an artist i very rarely am like hey it'd be awesome if i played with you right with recording if i record someone sometimes i'll mention it but i'm not like fully scouting or like <laughs> pursuing someone and i'll just like yeah i'll see them playing like no, no i'd love to record you because i think it'd be fun right yeah so when did you start like playing in like gigging bands i would have been 14 was my first like paid gig okay what what kind, what kind of thing was it like I playing with, like singer songwriters i played with a bunch of singer songwriters then like i was like honestly what i was doing when i was like 12 13 14 15 i would uh just go to an open mic it was one of the neighborhood i grew up in in edmonton right and there was a few others and i would just go there with my bass and i would just say i'll play with anyone and so a lot of times i'd end up staying on stage the whole night right so that's kind of how i started and then from that you know someone had a paid gig somewhere and they're like oh like you learned that stuff pretty quick do you want to like uh play at this gig i have at blah 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 coffee shop right yeah so uh was that like a a goal that you had set for yourself to just try to learn to play basically uh like like to learn to play pretty much anybody's stuff right or um that, that wasn't uh, at the time no it wasn't a goal the goal yeah. there was no goal it was just like i wanted to play and like it was purely just the enjoyment of doing it right uh, of like learning more and getting better it's like i was i just wanted to play was it with other like younger folks then or no it was it was all over the place okay you know, like for the most part i'd say it was like people above 40 and 45 i were playing like johnny cash covers or right right playing you know, something they like, something that they like just to like cover. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And then eventually meeting more people my age. Right. And, and so when did you actually like start like playing bass then? I started playing bass when I was like nine. Okay. Who, uh, what was the like, what was the motivation behind starting at that point? Like, was there like a guy that you really liked? P- playing bass? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my cousins got uh, a guitar for Christmas. My other cousin got a drum set. Okay. And so they said, you should, we got to start a band. I was like, I was like eight or something or nine at that time. Yeah. Like begged my parents for a bass. Finally, I got one like for whatever grade, it was like like whatever year of school I graduated. Yeah. And they put me in lessons and then neither of those cousins play music anymore. And we never started a band. (laughs) Yeah. And then I stuck to it. But but before that, I was already playing music and was playing other stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. What, so what were you playing, I guess? Like, what was, like, early played, childhood music for you? I started playing violin when I was, like, three. Okay. And then piano when I was four. I played in North America's youngest marching band. <laughs> when I was seven, I played trumpet. Okay. Yeah, and then I played bass. So I feel like you're kind of an interesting person to talk to for this, then. Because uh, I always wonder... Um, as a kid, like, what are good instruments to learn? Because I have younger siblings and watch them do piano lessons, and I did piano too. Um, but often, yeah, I wish that I had tried to play, like, a brass instrument or a string instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there are benefits later to having learned to do all that stuff separately? I can't play violin or trumpet to save my life now. 
Fair enough. So, um, and I hated it. Right. I certainly hated playing violin and piano. I didn't really love the lessons. I'm glad I did the piano lessons because I still play piano every day now. And then for sure, I think piano is definitely the most important thing to learn when you're younger. Cause like it gives you the biggest understanding of music. And if you play piano, you kind of play any, not play anything, but you can understand anything better. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's the most important instrument to learn. I think, um, as far as like other instruments, I don't know. I really think piano is one that like children should be learning first. Um, or I mean like the violin stuff is cool because right. I know so many like when I was because uh, like, I play upright bass too and I've played like in, in youth sure. orchestras when I was growing up like <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you know that's like it's crazy how hard like some like six year old kid rips violin <laughs> like you know <laughs> but you know these people also can't a lot, a lot of times can't improvise they can just read what's on the page so I think it's really important depending on what unless you want unless you really want to go for this like a classical path I think learning how to improvise really young is really cool yeah, and yeah not being embarrassed about it and just like playing what you want and then learning about that depending i mean depending on what you want to do for sure well i think there's music. something about improvisation too that's just like generally a valuable skill yeah like um it's thinking on your feet right yeah. at the end of the day and being able to make decisions really really quickly yep. um actually out of, out of curiosity then how did you like go about starting to learn to improvise like do you do like jazz band stuff through school or? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had a really good high school teacher. Um, I was playing a little bit of jazz before that. Um, in junior high, it was, I got really into, into like listening to jazz. Right. Sometimes of like just total straight ahead jazz. And the way I got into jazz was I went to a garage sale and there was a book. It was the biography of Jaco Pistorius, weirdly <laughs> okay. enough, at some like random garage sale. And I'd never heard of him because in like grade eight or something. And like the, right on the cover, it says like Jocko, the world's greatest bass player. I'm like, who the <laughs> hell is this guy? I bought yeah. it, I read it, and then I was like, anything like was like with fusiony stuff, right? <laughs> but you know, he's talking about jazz, and I'm like, whoa, this is cool. So then I was like, luckily, with the time we grew up, like if you wanted to hear something, you just went on YouTube immediately and right, yeah, found it. So I just that's kind of how I got into it. Then I kind of started learning by ear a little bit, and then. That's when I also wanted to learn how to play upright bass because I wanted to play jazz and right. And then yeah, I had a teacher and yeah, just kind of went about it like yeah, taking yeah. lessons from people and yeah, like playing in like my high school's band and uh, that like uh, that like little birds like the the high school jazz band the or it's like the audition thing, yeah right? the bird thing yeah, yeah yeah did that as well. Okay, so. Uh, too like uh you know my brother yep um for the longest time i assumed that you were a McEwen fella as mm. well and you're not right no you're, i never went gotcha so uh as a person who's like uh you know 18 getting out of high school and you're like playing jazz um mm -hmm. what's the thinking behind like choosing not to go do a program like that I don't think it's a bad thing to do the program. No, uh, no. For, and yeah, from at that point for me, uh, I was enrolled at McEwen. Okay. And I basically like a week or two before class, I decided I didn't want to do it. Gotcha. Is what happened. I just, because the year before that, I was already playing on recitals. Yeah. And, or juries rather. Juries themselves for like friends of mine who were going there because I only had a couple of classes in my last year of high school. So I was like playing there quite a bit and yeah, yeah. the teachers all knew me and they liked me so they didn't mind me hanging around or playing with other people and playing in classes and then i don't know i kind of just like a few weeks before i just i didn't i just didn't want to have that that like 
structure in my life, I guess. Right. At times, so I was still practicing like tons a day. I was like, well, I'll just practice more and be like, and like, I think I went I went to Vancouver for like a month or two, right? Like in that September, October, right there, and just like hung out. Yeah. Instead, with like some friends who lived out there, and to, yeah, the thing was, I just didn't want that structure in my life at that point. And sometimes yeah. I wish I went, but then I was still playing in recitals and juries after that, and I was still learning a lot. Um, but it was very spur of the moment, which is why I didn't do it. <laughs> so there's no proper or good reasoning that i can give other than at the time it's like i was freaking out i'm like i don't want to do it it's funny i i did the same thing oh really <laughs> when i was yeah i had i had registered to go on base actually mm-hmm. um right out of high school and then like a month before ish i was like yeah i don't want to do this and yeah then, and then i ended up going three years later yeah um but I do think, like, uh, oftentimes I, I regret going a little bit because I think, well, maybe it would have been better just kind of, like, spending time um, like working, right? Like, mm-hmm. trying to do the thing I want to do. Totally. I, th- I think that's, like, you never know until you do it. I don't think any way is going to be better. I think it's really good for people who, like, need a bit more structure. For sure, or, like, yeah. discipline. But, like, I had, I had no problem practicing four hours a day or five hours a day at that point. Right. I don't do that anymore, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny for me. I think by and large, it was just a method to like meet some people who also wanted to do that. That cause... was the other thing. Like, since I was already hanging out there, I felt like I met all these people. Like, and right. some of my close friends were people I would have went to school with there anyway. Right. And like, I think that is such an important thing. I guess you also like moving here, for, like, because you're North Battleford. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like moving here, it's like yeah, you meet a whole new crew of people, and I think that's also yeah. one of the most important things about going to any sort of music school program. It's the people you meet, and those are probably going to be people you like play a lot of gigs with the rest of your life or record or whatever yeah uh so uh i'm just gonna go through Mm -hmm. a couple bands really quickly because i'm curious kind of how you ended up playing with folks uh yeah you play with the velveteens right off the bat how did that kind of come about me and spencer had known each other for a little bit at that point and mostly we just knew each other from like going to parties or going to shows and we were like just buds and then they needed a bass player just for like some touring. And initially I just started just playing some shows with them around town and around. And then we ended up doing a record. And then after that, we were like, oh yeah, like we're help- helping to write the songs a little bit too. Still mostly gotcha. Spencer Addison, like pulling the weight on that for sure. But like now it's like we've done tons of touring. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, around North America and Europe and the UK. And we're working on some new songs right now and doing some more recording. Yeah, I guess I just started as like, touring with them and like playing shows and then it just evolved yeah, yeah. To like you know you're writing a bit together right yeah for sure yeah uh i know uh neck trio guys i'm not sure what yeah. the status of that is but that band will never die we're, we're, <laughs> like we, we were best friends in high school and we're still like, gotcha best friends now and you know but that was just like that was straight up just like fun for us yeah yeah like, there was a time where like we were playing probably twice a week at wonder bar <laughs> It felt like for like six months. I mean, that's how we got like kind of tight. It's like they just kind of uh, like Craig at Wonder Bar. Like anytime there was a show, he's like, oh, we need another band. It's like you, you guys can play because you're kind of weird and you can fit like a bunch of different bills. <laughs> and we and at the time, like we were all living together a few blocks away, so yeah, we would yeah. like walk there. I think we were we were leaving amps and like keyboards there for like <laughs> months at a time because we knew we were going to be there twice a week. Right. So that's I mean. That, that we'll play a reunion show at one point. Not I don't even want to call it a reunion. It's like the band never went anywhere. It's just 
Yeah. Like when people are like, I miss that band. I'm like, I don't know. We still hang out most days. We aren't <laughs> Ross living in Vancouver at the moment, but gotcha. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're still. I don't know. There's tons of unreleased music that we have because we recorded so much. And we lived together in like at different times, so <laughs> I feel like maybe we can find it on an old hard drive or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Baby J as well. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, good friend. I talked to him on the phone on the way here. Oh, okay. Um, I yeah, I yeah. talked to him a year and a half ago, maybe nice. for this. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. I love Jeremy. We talk. We hang out all the time too. We talk about music all the time. I say we talk about music more than we. Uh, play music together or write together. Yeah. Um, we were actually just working on a record this past two weeks with uh, Rennie Wilson as well at my studio. So we're probably like 60% of the way there on a brand oh, cool. new record. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Two, part of the reason uh, I want to ask about all these different things, uh, in my brain at this point, you kind of have played on enough stuff that it's kind of this... Uh, Edmonton Wrecking Crew kind of sound. Sweet. Uh, well, too, it's just because... Uh, I'll take it. And, like, uh, I was going to say, Jesse and the Dandelions, too, and Wares. Yeah. Um, you and Connor, in particular, have played yeah. on, like, a ton of records together. We have. Um, are there other folks around who you think are, like... Um, whether session folks or just people who are kind of, like, on everything, are there other people around who are kind of in that same position? In, in town here? Yeah. Yeah. Or e- even in Alberta more broadly. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff in Calgary that like Chris Dadge does. Yeah. A bunch of like bands. Like he's in, like Chad Van Galen's band, I think, like that. Or like he Monty. Did Marlena Morris records yeah. too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's like Monty playing guitar and. Right. Uh, born, Ryan Bourne playing bass. Like they're, like, I'd say Bourne and Dadge playing a lot of stuff over okay. in Calgary. There's. I think they're much better than me. I think they do much better work. Um, <laughs> to be honest, they're they're sweet. I, um, I mean, yeah, there's like similar rhythm sections. I feel like you see here. I mean, I play with Cam, like Cameron O'Neill as well a bunch. Oh, yeah. I feel yeah. like he ends up playing a lot of stuff of mine, or vice versa, or just we end up playing with other people for sure. Yeah, I mean, I certainly have like a close group of friends that I feel like I play with a lot, and like one thing can be like changed out. Like my friend Trevor McNeely plays a lot, or right. Elijah Brown and plays drums and a lot of stuff. Um, I think other similar Edmonton ones. Like I'm just blanking on it. I'm sure. I guess Doug Organ at one point. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't live here, right? No, he lives in LA at the moment. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of great players here. Tons of great players everywhere in the world. For sure. <laughs> People sound good together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything specific. That wasn't a very good <laughs> talked-out answer, I guess. Uh. Just want to make sure, too, before we kind of go to the third part of this, um, you record a lot of stuff um, in, like, a fairly small kind of semi-analogish kind of environment, right? Yeah. Um, what do you think is the benefit of kind of recording your own material out of your own space? I don't have to pay, like, a studio rate. <laughs> like, honestly. Like, <laughs> that's, that's a big one right off the top, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I can take my time with it, doing it myself. I definitely take my time. I carry stuff on my computer forever after I bounce it down. And I'll go record in different spaces. If I'm traveling, I, I'll record vocals if I have a day off or an afternoon okay. off. I Like, my stuff is always, like, uh, when I'm recording my, my own stuff, my, like, my, like, Logic sessions approachable sessions that are just look absolutely insane there's yeah. so much like garbage that it's just thrown out 
um, I don't title things properly and then and I make it a mess for myself. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah, uh, because I'm like, oh, it's just me working on it. Then I'm like, oh my God, why can't I do this better? Because if I record other people, I'll make sure it's all organized, nice, color-coded. <laughs> Everything's really beautiful to look at and like you can be, work really quick. But when it's my own stuff, I just don't take the time. So I, don't know. I think it's the flexibility is what I like about doing it myself. Yeah. Um, would I love to record in a beautiful, big, beautiful studio with like amazing analog gear? Yeah. But I also kind of like being in the same room with everything and just being able to do stuff quickly. And I'm not trying to do anything pristine. Yeah, yeah. Either like shitty is pretty. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, if there's if something sounds weird, if there's like a like just like because my my board is being weird that day, which it usually is. Like <laughs> whatever, it's 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 all character. Yeah. You know, I don't want anything perfect. That's like the human aspect to any sort of recording. And all my favorite recordings are kind of weird. For sure, or not kind of weird, but like, or like a little, maybe a little like jankiness in it, or else it's like I don't want stuff like edited crazy. You don't want like yeah the noise of like like the hiss of everything in my chain of recording is all a little bit noisy, and I feel like it kind of I know yeah I I uh, I mean that eventually just becomes part of the sound, right? Exactly. Yeah, I forget if it's Motown or Stax or where, but had the the label in the bottom floor of a house, and the attic was like a reverb chamber. That's, that's Motown, yeah. It's Motown. Motown had the reverb chamber upstairs, yeah. And it's like I doubt that anybody would probably have listened to that and been like, "That's a beautiful reverb." It's just kind of what they have, right? Yeah, and it, but it is beautiful. You know, that's an iconic <laughs> reverb for sure. And then yeah. it becomes just it, that is the, the sound. Yeah. yeah, like I use a uh, in the where my studio is. There's this big long hallway okay and that's what i use as the reverb i just run stuff for that after i just <laughs> cool. like so i have to wait till super late at night so like uh the i'm not going to say what restaurant it is because i shouldn't say where my studio is but the the restaurant when the restaurant's gone and the lawyers and the architects like everyone else is in the building <laughs> at like three in the morning that's when you can like just blast them on as loud as you can open the door and put like a mic a far okay. end and it's like this yeah, really yeah. nice reverb okay yeah, so i use that all the time uh, you know, it's good as time as any. Let's uh drop into the kind of third section of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we're gonna do two versions. Hey, yes. Just a quick note here: Dean and I recorded two different endings to this interview. Uh, depending on when it was gonna come out, we could feature uh a song that is already out or one that Dean's gonna put out in the next few months. Um, he has not put that out yet, so we're gonna talk about uh this track uh from an EP of covers that came out this year. Yeah, this is a song from an EP I did that I recorded totally during quarantine as something to do during like the early <laughs> points of quarantine. Yeah. Uh, I needed something to keep me sane. I think a lot of people did. Um, so I decided to do like a covers EP. Um, and this is a song called Any Other Way, which was originally written by William Bell and came out on Stacks. But the version that I really fell in love with is by Miss Jackie Shane. And if you don't know her story, you should look it up. But um, she's a... She lived in Toronto for most of her life, but she's from Nashville or maybe just outside Nashville. She's from Tennessee, which is a transgender soul singer. Okay. Like super pioneering, like in the 60s. Like yeah, yeah. Doing that. She moved to Canada because she found she was, there was less discrimination against okay. her in Canada than there was in the South and Tennessee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she made all these like beautiful soul recordings in Toronto in the 60s. And and it's it's no secret, like, like Numero Group, like a reissue label from Chicago. They recently, not recently, I guess a few years ago now. Um, they did a big old compilation of all of her stuff and interviewed her and it's just so thoughtfully done it's thoughtfully curated and I just think it's a cool story and there's a little bit of a 
CanCon aspect to it, yeah, I yeah. guess. Um, <laughs> but really, her story is amazing. Like, look up any interview you can with her, any article about her. She's passed away a year or two ago. But yeah, uh, Miss Jackie Shane, any other way is my rendition of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there stuff that you kind of look for specifically when you're like choosing to cover a song? Is there, I guess, stuff that you know is going to make it work well for you? I have to be obsessed with the song. <laughs> That's yeah, okay. the way I cover songs. If I'm listening to this, like I, I listen to music uh, in a way where a lot of times I, I really get obsessed with the song. Yeah. And I will listen to it for a week nonstop. That might be the only thing I'm listening to. I'll listen to it like 20 times, 30 times, 50 times in a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and part of it's just like almost like taking it apart too. Where I'm like, why do I love this so much? Is it right. the actual songwriting? Is the melody? Is it the recording? And then I always learn the song on piano and guitar. If I get obsessed with something and I kind of just, you know, try to recreate it. Do you always try to learn stuff by ear when you're doing that? Yeah. I that, do. I'm trying to get better for that just because yeah. it's very, very easy to, uh, yeah, just look it up. Just get the answer. I like, I like doing it by ear too, because I, I'm never trying to learn it exactly the way it is. I'm trying right. to change it up a bit. So if I like a lot of times I'm like, I don't like that chord. And I'll just like, I'll just change one chord. And cause like, right. there's no rules. It's, it's like, I want to, it's my version of the song. Yeah. Yeah. I'm do it the way I want. So <laughs> it's funny. This is kind of tangential. I've spent the past three or four days because uh, I, I listen to stuff in kind mm-hmm. of a similar way, right? Like you find a song. Mm-hmm. Um, I started listening to the song Miss Chatelaine by Katie Lang. Okay. Um, which was like a, a hit for her, I think, in the early 90s or in the cool. 80s. But you just, uh, I just remembered it from being like four or five years yeah. old. <laughs> and then it just kind of took over my whole brain yeah cool <laughs> i like i like that i like when i like getting obsessed with something it's kind of i uh it's kind of fun but what is there something that you think uh typically grabs you about something like that because that's something that's something I've, i have thought about um where i'm like why is this what i'm obsessed with yeah but i can i can never find i mean, there's really some things like i like the way certain like like a like drums recorded sometimes I can tell is like I like minimal like a lot of times like one mic super snappy I like like that's always gonna be something that like catches my ear but when I get obsessed with a song I try to see if there's like a something that ties it all together with all the different songs I like right but it's generally not that it's just like something in one song it's it's just like some that that's why I I learn it and I every time I get obsessed with a song I like really listen to it over and over because I'm trying to decide exactly what with that song. Right. And usually just the whole thing together. So then I try to take like one element from it and maybe apply it to something that I'm writing. Yeah. You know, or the way I'm recording something. So there's there's no overarching theme, but generally just the whole song is just put together well. So yeah, yeah. part of the big thing that goes into like the stew or the chili. Or the baba ganoush or the I don't know. Whatever. So on, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um At this point in the interview, we transition into the second track that we could have featured for the show, which we have obviously omitted here. Well, shit, thanks for coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's a bit of a gray day here right now. It's autumn. I know this is not going to come out for a little bit, but I hope it's a beautiful winter day wherever you are listening to this. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, it's supposed to be a cold one. (laughs) Well, this is a track called Any Other Way. Uh, Aladine Krufi, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Here you come. 
come again You say you are my Inside the Artist Studio is produced by Sean Davis Newton for the Cups and Cakes Network. The featured track, Any Other Way, was played with permission from Aladine Karufi. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song, Nothing On My Mind, from the Grimpy EP as our intro and outro music. Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsincakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's Cups, the letter N cakespod.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.